Being the first one of your family graduating high school and going to university is a big deal. And I've been there. But I didn't feel like it was that big of a deal at the time, and rather that I was just continuing to do what I had done my whole life, which was studying, except I would be studying in a completely new and different environment. But university is not just about classes. You are in a different place, yeah, but you're also in a different system. And that took me a good year and a half to understand. There are a lot of opportunities in the system, and as a first gen, my first year of university, I just did not see them, and I could not exactly see them because of my background. And what I have learned in three years, well, I want to share with other first-gen students because I wish I, ha I had had this podcast that gathered all I learned by hard work, by chance, or thanks to the kindness of mentors I had the privilege to have during university. If you think that your career starts after you graduate university, let me tell you, with all due respect and kindness, you are wrong. But don't be scared. I'm here to help you make the most out of this three or four years or maybe the last few months if you're about to graduate. And if that's the case, it's not too late. Let's get started. I'm not gonna try to keep you on the hook and I will tell you right away the four pieces of advice I would give my younger self on their first day of university to get started to kick some ass if I could go back in time. Well, actually, I would also slap me in the face and tell my younger self not to be so anxious all the time and that everything would be okay, but I can't. So, anyways. Number one, mentorship and how to find mentors. And number two, Office hours, you're gonna wanna go to this. Not all of them, you don't wanna be that person, but twice a semester at least, if you have the time, would be great. Number three, making money slash every experience matters. And yes, even your job at Taco Bell, I will explain later, it matters. Number four, get a LinkedIn and start to network. I literally did not know, and I'm not embarrassed to admit it because I didn't know anything about academia, but I didn't know that professors were also researchers. And I didn't know that many of them had their own lab, including social scientists, that you could go to office hours to build a, a mentor mentee relationship with them, that it is part of their job to support you. So... Some are better at mentoring than others, but you will find the good ones if you try and maybe fail because not everyone is a good match and try again. So how do you get a mentor? By talking to them first. Introverts, do not panic and stay here. I also have a plan for you. So I'm going to talk about two tracks here. Either find a prof that you have this semester, which is something I would recommend if you are in your first two semesters of university and don't really know um, what to do with your degree after graduation, or maybe you do, um, or you can find a prof that works at the intersection of your major and another topic to broaden your academic perspectives or just out of curiosity. At the end of the day, they are academics and no matter their field, they can help you navigate academia and give you tips, help, listen to your worries or help you network by introducing you to people that would be more relevant to your goals. So about the how-to, 
You can either go to office hours, even if you don't struggle in class, and just ask a prof to develop about a specific point they have covered in class. I strongly recommend you to remain genuine and stay yourself and ask questions to which you actually want an answer. You can ask about the best steps to take to get into grad school, for instance, or the best options to integrate the job market right after graduation, whether it be an internship, a co-op, volunteering, etc., etc. Now, profs are really busy people, so maybe don't hang in there for an hour if you're not invited to, and they don't owe you mentorship. So the dynamic has to be genuine and positive for both sides. If you're a shy person and you don't really want to go in person, I would say write an email, except at the very start of the semester when it is the busiest season for faculty members. But the risk with an email is that uh, your email might get lost in a bunch of other emails that might be more pressing. You have to be straight to the point in your emails. I have to say that. So state your name, your major, the class you are taking, that you are teaching, and why you are writing to them. If you really don't have any question about the subject they are teaching, but rather, and if it's just a question about the class, please go to office hours. That's what office hours are for. So if you really don't have any questions about the subject they are teaching, but rather on academia and how to get teaching assistant positions and research assistantships and other opportunities that just may be hidden or or just not advertised, uh, be honest and say that you would really appreciate it if you could meet because you are looking for a mentor to help you navigate the field as a first gen and would like some advice to succeed at university. Do not exceed 10 lines. So if you want to transition fields, like it was my case, getting mentorship from someone in your targeted field might be really helpful. It was for me. So in my case, I was majoring in linguistics, but I want to go to grad school to study political science. So not only all my extracurriculars were related to political science, I reached out to a professor from that faculty um, to ask if we could meet because I was interested in his topic specifically. And that's how I got one of my mentors. He was super kind. Uh, He invited me to one of his graduate seminars after he saw that I was really interested in the topic and I want to learn. And I went there to attend for an entire semester, uh, which was great because then I knew I wanted him to be my thesis supervisor. And it also comforted me in my choice to go into political science after graduating. Another one of my mentors used to be a professor I had uh, in a class and I had never been to their office hours like ever. I didn't have time that specific semester, but sometimes during break because our classes were three hours long with a break after an hour and a half. Um, So I would go up to them and just chat for like five or ten minutes. Not at every class because I'm not that person. I'm not sure I want to be that person, I want you to be that person, but it was always very genuine. It was just chatting and fun. It was interesting. Um, So I would never go up, you know, to a prof to talk to them, just to talk to the prof. And I would strongly advise you to um, do the same. And so later on, like a few months later, I saw uh, on the website um, teaching assistant positions and one of them 
this specific prof was teaching and looking for a TA. And because they knew me from that one class and it was the class that, you know, needed a TA, I applied and that's how I got my first contract as a TA, um, which led to more and more teaching assistant positions with other professors. And by the end of university, I wasn't tutoring as much because, which was like my main uh, student job at the time, I was tutoring in French and English, but TAing and doing research assistantships um, were most of my working hours by the end of university, like my last two years, which was super good for my CV, but also to understand the backstage of academia which truly reflected on my attitude and my grades and also god i was paid way better than most other student jobs and super grateful for that um also the working conditions as a ta at my university were great so strongly recommend going down that path even if you don't want to become a prof or a researcher it's awesome experience on your cv it also shows that you were a good student and profs actually trust you with um, correcting exams and supporting them in teaching and research activities. So bottom line is reach out. Every university has a page with the list of faculty members. You can go there and look at the professors listed there, the ones of your department, faculty, or even of another department and reach out. Speaking of reaching out, Office hours. I think I talked about it enough in the first tip I just gave you that was finding mentors because both are intertwined. So just to emphasize, office hours are a set time that you can find on your syllabus that you will read, I'm serious, read that syllabus, to meet with a prof or their teaching assistant and discuss class material or any academic topic related to their field. If it's a TA in office hours and not your professor, that is not wasted time because usually it's teaching assistants who correct your exams so they can actually give you tips on what to study you can still ask ata for advice and ask how to approach the prof if you want to meet and receive mentorship from them it happened to me that i you know went for a class to office hours only twice and i vividly remember that class one of the papers was worth 50% of our grades. So before writing it, I wrote an outline and I knew like I, I wasn't worried about passing or not passing, but it was also an opportunity to get to talk to the professor in a one-on-one and actually understand what they wanted for that paper. So I think you can earn a few more percent on your grade at the end. And I would just go there before my midterm to ask for advice and validation of the outline. And then after receiving my grade to ask where to improve and get specification on where I lost the points. And even if you end up with a 80%, I think it's still a good opportunity to show that you're serious and just genuinely connect with super interesting academics who are big nerds and honestly at first i wasn't expecting to enjoy it that much and turned out it was awesome so i strongly recommend you to connect before and after an exam and chances are if a little accident happened during semester or you need extra credit well this professor already knows that you care that you've provided efforts during the semester 
And I'm not saying that you are guaranteed extra credits, but your chances will be much, much higher. Now you might say, why would I care what they think of me? I just want to go to class and work my student job and I don't have time to do that. Well, three words. And it's not I love you. It's letters of recommendation. You're going to need them to apply for internships, grad school, co-ops. So you want to stand out. Not too much. Don't be that person. We can all think about that person who raises their hand a thousand times during class and is stuck to the prof during break and goes through every single office hours. Do not be that person, please. But also you want to show that you care in a genuine way. So again, there is no need to go to every office hour, not even for all of your classes. Just select the classes that are the most relevant for you personally and go from there. And it can be only one class a semester. That's enough. That's the start. You want strong letters of recommendation from professors who know you and who can say they've been at office hours. They've asked for advice. They are curious. They are dedicated to their studies. And here you go. And that leads us to number three, being dedicated to your studies. Yes, but if you are a first gen, chances are just like I did, you cannot fully focus on your academics and you must have a student job. It's difficult to get a job in your field, I'm not gonna lie to you, but it is possible. You have several options, starting with your main survival job fresh out of high school, even if it's in the service industry and not related to your major, once you are out in the world applying for full-time positions, these experiences show that you can work in a team, you can keep up with the schedule while balancing your studies, and if you don't get a chance to have a job slightly related to your field of study, your other chance is to have extracurriculars in your field. Even if it's three hours a week, it's an additional experience to put on your CV. But that's a big topic that I will cover in another episode. So for me, tutoring was the best option because I got to build my own schedule and it was paid way above the minimum wage, which allowed me to work less hours and I could invest the remaining time to build my CV through extracurriculars since teaching was not my targeted career. It really depends on your field, but I would say doing co-ops is a great way to have one foot in your industry while making money. And don't be afraid to take that year off because honestly, Looking back, I would rather graduate in four or five years uh, or more if you are studying part-time with relevant experience on my CV and extracurriculars, even if it means having three or four classes or less a semester, than do it in three with absolutely zero experience after graduation and struggle to get my dream first position in my field for years after graduation. You want to have these internships during uh, your undergrad time and not necessarily right after you graduate because I've heard it's really depressing and it's hard enough like that. University really is your time kind of living in parallel but not outside of society to truly build yourself and set yourself for success. So there are students associations you can get involved in and volunteer there so if you can't get a job in your field um, while doing your undergrad, volunteering a little amount of hours or asking for internships is the best option. It's one of the options, but there are more. At some point um, during undergrad, I had 
and I'm not lying to you, like buckle up. I had six classes a semester, three teaching assistant contracts, one extracurricular that was National Model United Nations, that was so much fun, and a volunteering position. And let me tell you, it was hell. My weeks were 60 hours of work and I wish I had decided to take four classes instead. But I was so obsessed with the idea of doing it all that, you know, and graduating in three years that I kept burning myself out. And I want you to remember that slowing down is not a failure. And I wish I could go back in time to be able to enjoy the process and give myself time to rest. So I know people who could not land an internship in their field, um, but started their own project instead, because the goal of getting experience during university is to learn more about your field, to show recruiters that you have learned through university, but also through actual experience and that you are interested in your field. So that can translate into many things that are not limited to co-ops or internships or student jobs. Um, or just, generally speaking, more traditional options. It can be a blog that you started, a club you joined, an extracurricular activity, and truly don't hesitate to mix experiences and find the red line that connect them all. Because at the end of the day, no matter the kind of experience you had and what's next, storytelling and how you sell yourself is a huge component of getting where you want to be. So it's better to do what you want to pursue and have a story behind um, and and really try to follow the path that you want to follow rather than seeing what other people do and following their their steps and not stand out. Because your non-traditional path is not a burden if you are good at selling your story uh, and if you can argue but also show that you learn through it all. So these experiences are not going to fall from the sky, obviously. And again, you're going to have to build your network and reach out to people. And I say that as the biggest introvert. If I did it, you can do it. It's going to be okay. The last point of this episode is about networking, aka getting a LinkedIn account and using it. In my second year of university, I had this one friend who had been on the job market for two years already, and she was obsessed with LinkedIn. So when I told her I didn't have an account, she convinced me to get one. And at first I didn't want to have a LinkedIn account, to be honest. And I never thought I would use it. The thing is, I I had a career goal in my head. I could picture myself there. But when I created my LinkedIn profile, I saw that I had only three experiences to put in. And that was waitressing experience, my teaching assistant contract, and a three-month internship I had done for another degree that was not relevant anymore. Honestly, I was mortified because I really looked at my profile and I was like, like that, that can be what leads me to my goal. That cannot be what gets me where I want to be in my career. Because by just seeing my CV on this platform, it became so clear to me that between like where I was at this specific moment career-wise and where where I wanted to be, there was a gap I had to fill. So when I tell people to get LinkedIn, the main argument against it is, but I don't have anything to put on my profile and I'm not even sure I know 10 people on LinkedIn. And that is exactly the point. In my case, seeing the three experiences that I'm not going to say 
they were irrelevant because every experience is relevant. But seeing these three experiences while thinking about where I wanted to be in the future, it really was a wake up call for me to get my shit together. And also since nobody close to me had done that before to pave the way for me, I was able to get inspired and see typical or less typical career path and backgrounds of people who had positions I one day in the future wanted to have as well. So what I did was I searched for job titles I was interested in and I searched for my field specifically on LinkedIn. And then I looked at what people did in their career to like get an idea of how to get there. So LinkedIn is a place made to connect and network. So whenever I saw someone who inspired me, I added them and sent them a message to explain who I was, what I was doing and why I wanted to connect. So my go-to to start a conversation was the following, and I'm just going to read a one of the very first LinkedIn messages I sent to someone. Okay, here it goes. Hi, name of the person. It's going to be a bit awkward, but hi, name of the person. Thank you for adding me to your network. I am passionate about AI and use of, of disinformation in politics. So that's, you know, why am I talking to this person? I saw that you're working at the names organization, and I was wondering if you could share a few career tips with me. My next professional goal is to work at a similar place where I can keep learning about AI and disinformation and also contribute to, to my field. Thank you so much for your time. And then I sign my name. That's it. So you learn two things. It is this short of a message that will get you places. And second of all, I have trouble reading things. But anyways, that's it. That's how I got virtual coffees with people. That's how I grew my network in a genuine way because the people I was reaching out to and I, I still do to this day, I genuinely want to hear from them. I sincerely want to know like about their background, how they got there, what they're doing this day, like what is their daily life at the job because I'm interested and it's, you know, you're, you're building your network and sometimes you can even meet friends. Truly like these professional relationships can lead to friendships. Um, that's also how I got insider tips from people from um, the field of technology, responsible tech specifically, that I wanted to join. And it really helped me to pivot from a career in uh, grand slash academia to something more uh, in technology. I mean, completely in tech, actually. So some of them won't answer, but that's okay, because like a lot of people enjoy talking about their career and give advice. So I am 100% sure that at least one person will will um, answer you. And yeah, to be honest, you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. So get out there, build a network, get a LinkedIn, you've got this. Mm -hmm.